Good morning and welcome to WSAU Feedback. I'm Meg Ellison. Thanks for joining me this morning. A little uh, Almond Brothers action by request. Congressman Tom Tiffany, how are you? I am terrific. Hey, Happy New Year, Meg, and Happy New Year to all of your listeners. Thank you. You too. I'm sure that it's uh, been a, quite a whirlwind and it probably feels like uh, it's it should be like March right now after all that... Uh, uh, we all went through in the last week in Washington, D.C. I'm glad that you're able to join me this morning to talk about your perception of everything and what you observed during the course of last week's election of uh, Kevin McCarthy to Speaker of the House. Let's start by talking about the process and uh, how long it took to get to at least to this point, and why it took so long to, well, 15 votes to uh, choose a speaker. Yeah, so, you know, process is always the most boring thing about the job politically. Uh, you know, people want to talk about personalities and conflict and stuff like that, and certainly all that played out last week. Um, but the thing that, uh, for, for many people, that they missed and what many commentators missed was, this was all about process for most people. And if you go back to uh, the election in November, uh, we gained a narrow majority, uh, hoping to gain a bigger majority than we did, but nonetheless ended up with a narrow majority. And what it did is it really empowered a small group of people to be able to say, okay, uh, Leader McCarthy, uh, we want to see some changes here to how the House of Representatives is going to be run. And we have the votes to prevent you from becoming speaker without that happening. And um, so the first vote that was taken was just before Thanksgiving when we voted for our leadership. Um, and Kevin McCarthy got the most votes, but he did not get 218. 31 votes went to Andy Biggs. And I was one of the 31 that voted for Andy Biggs because we wanted to see our group of 31 a much more open transparent and accountable process to the people of the United States of America from their House of Representatives. And that's really what this was all about. Now, there was a small group of six people, and I think people are well aware of that, that they did not want to vote for Kevin McCarthy under any situation. And in the final vote, the 15th vote, um, early Saturday morning, those six just chose to vote present, which allowed Kevin McCarthy to be able to get the majority that he needed to become a uh, speaker. But for most of us, it was about the process. And, for example, some of the changes that have now been made that um, uh, Kevin McCarthy agreed to in order to become speaker were, let's have single-subject bills. You know, rather than bills becoming Christmas trees where you find this extraneous stuff that gets dumped into a, uh, a bill and it really does become a Christmas tree, um, we have made changes so... Hopefully, we can uh, stop that from happening. I think about the ratcheting of the spending process. It's a one-way street at this point, Meg, where it encourages more spending. Now, with the changes we have, there's going to be incentive to root out some of that waste, fraud, and abuse that goes on in the federal government that we all know about, rather than this continual, um, let's increase spending to a greater level. So there's things like that 72-hour rule, that a bill has to be out there for 72 hours before it can be voted on. Just really common-sense stuff that most of the American people would go, duh, that's how it should be. 
Well, and I are you still there, Tom? I am. Okay, okay, okay you trailed off for a second. So that's a little <laughs> bit of the inside baseball that went on. Um, and so for the most part, are you are you happy with how things have been settled? Because, and, and I guess these, I'm going to probably just rattle off a whole bunch of questions and you can just answer them as, as you see fit. But for, for those that, that held out and that whatever it was down to the sixth, as, as, as an example, Matt Gates, are, are they going to, will they see, um, retaliation for that? Um, I sure hope not. I'm, I know there's a few members like Mike Rogers from Alabama that would like to see retaliation, but I hope Kevin McCarthy, I mean, when you look at great moments in American history, I hope he takes the approach that Abraham Lincoln took after the Civil War when he said, no, we have to heal this country at this point. And I'm sure hopeful that that is what is ha- will happen. And also remember, this continues to be a narrow majority. And you can uh, exact retribution in, if you're in leadership, if you choose to, but it only takes five votes to stop a bill from moving. So I think it's an opportunity for us to see uh, much greater cooperation across the different segments of the Republican Conference of the House of Representatives to work together. And I would think, Meg, you know, as we go forward, you know, there's some issues that we really should all be able to agree upon. That's secure the border. Let's stop the one-way um, direction of spending. Um, if there's going to be spending increases now, there should be offsetting cuts in other programs so that we do not continue this runaway spending that's leading to inflation. I mean, let's get back to energy independence, producing it here in America. I think there's some fundamental issues that all people can agree on. And by the way, for uh, our friends out there who are independents or Democrats that are listening in at this point, these rule changes, while they're good for the majority Republicans, they are equally good for Democrats. Both Democrats and Republicans benefit from this because now all 435 members are going to be able to fully participate in the legislative process rather than these bills just being handed down by a few people in leadership that negotiated it on uh, behind closed doors, there's going to be a much more open process. For example, we have something that's been called, that's called closed rules. And while it's kind of inside baseball, what it means is that when a bill would go to the floor under Nancy Pelosi's leadership, you could not offer an amendment from the floor. You can now do that with these rule changes. Now, was that just specific to Nancy Pelosi, or was that previous speakers as well? Um, it, she took it to a um, new level, oh, mm-hmm. um, but this has been Shocker. going on. This has been going on by both Republicans and Democrats um, over the last decade or two, and that's why um, it's so important to change this now. It was such a great opportunity to do it, and it's going to be good. It's actually going to be good for bipartisanship. Do you think that McCarthy was, um, I mean, because it seemed like his his speech, his acceptance speech, if that's what you want to call it, uh, at whatever it was, midnight or one o'clock in the morning your time, um, it seemed as if it was very uh, optimistic and upbeat. Is he was he um, was he prepared? Do you think for 
what went I I'm I'm sure no one was really prepared for that, but I mean, did he take it in stride or I mean, how 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 did he react to that behind the scenes? I I would put it this way. Um did you watch Hakeem Jeffries, the new minority leader? Did you watch his speech just before Kevin McCarthy? I I did not I did not suffer through it. Give me a synopsis. So for those people that watch both speeches, what a clear contrast. Hakeem Jeffries um, uh, really gave one of the most incendiary speeches oh. that I've seen. He talked only about the differences between the parties. He went after us and basically alluded to us being racist mm. and things like that. I mean, it was really an incendiary speech, and you always expect the minority to do a contrast speech. This wasn't just a contrast speech. I mean, this was just laying down the gauntlet. I thought Kevin McCarthy's speech was much more about what are we going to do for America rather than just simply highlighting differences between the parties. He really talked, Kevin McCarthy really talked about what should we be doing for America, and that included getting control of the debt, securing our border, energy independence, protecting the First Amendment, protecting uh, parents' rights to be able to uh, decide where their kids go to school. I mean, he was really talking about a more optimistic view and uh, uh, about America. And I thought there was a clear contrast, and I thought McCarthy did a good job of laying out that contrast. So in McCarthy's speech, he said the very first bill that you'll repeal is the funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. Was that part of the... Uh, demands of the, I don't know, the, the holdouts? No, that was something that um, he was planning to do. You know, I think there were a few things. Getting rid of the uh, lockdowns around the Capitol where you could not. Mm. I mean, remember, Nancy Pelosi put all this in place during the COVID era to be able to restrict the American people from being able to come in and... Uh, talk to their representatives, um, all those barriers are down. The magnetometers for us to be able to get on the floor, which I believe were unconstitutional. The, the proxy voting where you don't even have to show up to vote, you can give your vote to somebody else. That is all gone, and um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, um, he wanted those gone, and he wanted getting rid of the 87,000 IRS agents to be the first thing. It was much more than that that the 31 of us was seeking um, in those process changes, and we were able to accomplish that. Some of the things he didn't want to do. I mean, the Speaker's always going to try to hold as much power as they can. And to McCarthy's credit, he has chosen to diffuse that power throughout the House of Representatives, and I think you're going to see a much more transparent process for it's at least the start, Meg, of having a more transparent process where the American people can actually see what we're doing in the House of Representatives rather than another thousand-page, trillion-dollar spending bill being dumped in our laps and you only get 12 or 24 hours to be able to digest it. So there were quite a few applause lines in his speech. Did you ever note in any of those where... Uh, the Democrats actually stood and applauded as well. And, I mean, do, do, you, do you detect any type of bipartisan attitude on their part, or are they just going to be 
a big pain in the you-know-what for the next two years? I mean, they largely sat on their hands. I'm trying to admit, there was a couple times when, I mean, when we talked about some of the transparency and um, all 435 members being able to um, be able to offer amendments from the floor now that they, we have not been allowed to do over the last few years. You know, I think there was some appreciation for that. And I can tell you, while um, Democrats in the House will not give Republicans any credit for this, quietly they are saying behind closed doors, this is really good for us in minority. You know, what's interesting is you, know, you talk about how the Republicans are going to make it a priority to uh, secure the southern border or do what they can to secure the southern border and, and how the Democrats really <laughs> dropped the ball on that. But yet Nancy Pelosi found it really important to secure the border around the Capitol. I mean, that was certainly a huge priority for her. Yeah, it was a real clear contrast when two years ago um, we... And it really goes to show the mindset that has permeated through Washington, D.C. And it didn't just happen over the last few years, but it's been exposed since 2016, what has been building for a long time, where you have this group of elites that believe that you just keep sending your money, you rubes from the rest of the country, from flyover country, Keep sending us that money so we can live our lifestyle, and um, we'll hand down the edicts of how you shall lead your life. I mean, think about one of the last actions that Nancy Pelosi took. She raised the amount that staff can make, congressional staff can make, significantly. It's like thirty or forty thousand dollars more they can now make as a result of one of the last things that she did as Speaker of the House of Representatives. It says everything you need to know. We're going to take care of ourselves in Washington, D.C. And that's what the people of this country are really tired of. And that's exactly what we were trying to get at with these rules changes. And now hopefully we're going to be able to make them stick here as we uh, move on for the future. And this won't be just good for this session of Congress. This could be good for the next decade or two. Now, way to stick it to the taxpayers, Nancy Pelosi. Thank God. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, sister. Well, hey, I want to ask you one last question uh, about Kevin McCarthy. There's been a lot of comments from from those on the right and, of course, on the left and then all the prognosticators in the media about Kevin McCarthy. What's your What's your relationship with him, and, and, and how, how do you see him? How can you tell us what he is genuinely like? Um, so, you know, I'm largely a backbencher, only been there here for a little over one term. And um, so I've never communicated with him a lot. Um, I, I, he's not a policy guy like Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was all about the budget. He's all about policy. And it actually ended up being one of his weaknesses becoming speaker um, when it becomes more of a leadership role. And um, I'm hopeful that Kevin McCarthy is really going to embrace this leadership role, delegate those parts of the agenda to the committees, which is exactly what should happen, make his committee chairman work. Because I can tell you, I have a much closer relationship to the chairman, what are, are going to be the chairman, of the two committees that I sit on, Natural Resources, which is Bruce Westerman out of Arkansas, 
I've worked very closely with him on a number of issues. Same with Jim Jordan, who's going to be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Have a much more close relationship. And so I'm really hopeful that Kevin McCarthy is going to do what a speaker should, which is delegate some of that authority to those committee chairmen and tell them, do your job. In the case of the judiciary, let's have full investigation of the Department of Justice and the FBI and how they've been using the big tech companies, the social media companies, to deny people their First Amendment rights. I think that's a very good example of some of the oversight that should be done, and hopefully he allows Jim Jordan to be able to do his job in that case. Well, so we can wait and see, but we should, what you're saying, I guess at least what I think you're saying, is we should give him a chance and be optimistic and and hopeful that, cautiously optimistic and hopeful that he's going to be true to his word, at least in in what he said in his speech on uh, whatever it was, early Saturday morning. One of Ronald Reagan's greatest sayings that I will never forget. Trust, but verify. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much. I appreciate your time and uh, look forward. I'm sure you look forward to it as much as we do. Look forward to you being back in the district. And you, you're returning, I think. Didn't you say you're, you're going to be returning soon, today, maybe? Yeah, so I'll be in, uh, we'll be in D.C. this week. We're going to vote on probably tomorrow getting rid of the 87,000 IRS funding. And then hopefully we'll get some other good stuff done this week. Uh, and then next week, uh, back in the district, I will be having listening sessions for people that want to see where those listening sessions and the times, I believe it's next Monday and Tuesday next week, we will be posting that to the Tiffany Telegram, our weekly um, update, mm-hmm. and um, we'll make sure that we get those out there so people can attend if they choose to. Well, Congressman Tom Tiffany, thanks for joining me this morning. I appreciate it. And maybe you're hey, always good to talk to me. Well, th- always good to talk to you too. Maybe we'll have a, a, a the revival song that you asked or that you'd hoped for uh, before the midterm elections. Maybe we can talk about that and, <laughs> and hope for the best. Well, thanks well, again. Have a great week. We'll talk again soon. Take care, Meg. Bye, Tom. Gonna go to a break. We'll be right back. Rolling right into the eight thirty news, actually, and followed by the second half of feedback and your calls. Seven one five eight four five. 2155 on WSAU feedback. And I had to stay-